and welcome to What's the Catcher with me, Bettina Campolucci Bordi. And me, Nikki Webster. Our podcast is all about sharing our passion for the things we eat, good food, and the people behind it. Which is why we're so pleased that our lovely sponsor is Doug Drinks. You can see it all for yourself at dougdrinks.com. And they have kindly given us an exclusive discount just for you, our lovely podcast listeners. If you enter the code WTFDUG10, you get 10% off all their milks. So let's meet this week's guest. Today we're joined by the lovely Romy Gill, a British Indian chef, restaurateur, TV personality and cookbook author, amongst other things. We chat to Romy about how her childhood and background has led to where she is today, her restaurant journey, her lovely new cookbook on the Himalayan Trail and being awarded with an impressive MBE. So lovely to have you here today and short notice, thank you so much, huge fan. Uh, we're we're so both looking... very big fans yeah. of you. Yeah, um, so lo- so looking forward to our chat today. But um, first of all, how have you been? I'm good. I'm good. I think I'm um, you know a bit juggling, trying to juggle a lot of things because sometimes I'm I know I'm in a position I should not worry about things and let the things go. But um, I'm well. It's just sometimes I feel oh no, if I don't do this, somebody else will have it. You know, someone younger will come and have it. You know, you. I think I need to now let go. My daughter said, "Mommy, you have to let go because you've established yourself. You mm. are good at what you do. You, you know, people can't be like you. There's not two of you. So you need to kind of um, say no to things. I think I need to start. That's doing very that. hard, though. I'm sure we we'll all feel like that, don't yeah, we? Yeah, it's an opportunity comes along. Definitely, it's a, it's the it's the freelance thing as well, isn't it? That a lot of so much, yeah. That you just don't so know much. when things are going to come around again, and especially through the periods, the period that we've been through in the last two to three years as well. Um, I think I definitely appreciate everything so much more, and just mm. being around people and events again, and sitting around a table and meeting people, and just like we're doing today, having a chat um yeah. and you know just connecting over over food and over over the stuff that we love um i wanted to ask you how did everything how did everything start for you and how long ago take us back i think it started a really really long time ago it was i was 16 i was doing my um just finished gcse's um and uh, i think i was going to give my exams for gcse's and then my mom was diagnosed with cancer and the doctor said she will either have two months to live or two years. I cannot tell you how long. Wow. But she lived She lived more than 40 years. She was a fighter. Oh, oh, I think I was a fighter like yeah. that. So I think, so she was, a, I think a person, you know, like a parents or, or father or the mother whose life is sort of revolved around food. They are looking after their children and want them to give a wholesome mm. food. I think a lady whose life was like that. And suddenly she was putting so much salt, so much spices and chilies because she couldn't taste it. She didn't understand that, um, you know, she's putting too much. So I think that was the kind of thing when I think we talk about cancer and food now. But if you Mm. go back 30 or 35 down the years, there was nothing like that. There was no understanding, especially in India. There was no understanding about the food and and everything is connected with you. Mm. Um, you know, Ayurveda, yes, we have that. We have the herbal medicine, which is amazing as well. But I think that was the thing when I said to my dad, I want to be a chef, I want to go in hospitality. And he was like, no way, because uh, you wouldn't survive. 
if you see now, there are very handful of women chefs in India still um, mm. who actually are cooking in the hotels and restaurants. Yes, there is hospitality can be very different front of, you know, there can be hotel people, they can be front of the house. But I just wanted to cook. And he was like, no way, you can't. And there are there's a difference between a TV chef and there's a difference between a restaurant owner and a chef, you know, yes, huge difference. So I think my dad just said, no, you won't, you won't survive. And he was in a way very right because I, we had a very sheltered upbringing. We, I, I grew up in West Bengal. My father's a father, mom, my mom and dad are both from Punjab, which is North India. You know, if you know a map of India, very different parts and we have very different food. So I think that was what, um, you know, going back is that um, dad was correct, was absolutely right. Because when you are growing up, you know, like uh, if you grow up in army contentment, you know, people are all together, they know each other. And if you go out, it's a different life, you know. So for us, it was like that. We grew up in an honesty plant. We had had very sheltered upbringing. So he was very concerned in a way that I won't and I'll come back home. So years later, when I came here and ate the food, uh, uh, Indian food, uh, so I said to my husband, I'm going to open a restaurant and I want to learn how to go in the industry. And years later, which I did, I think uh, you have to be a little bit crazy. You have to be determined. You have to be positive. I think three things, um, you know, positivity and hard work, uh, hard work are together. You have to be positive in order to be working hard uh, and you have to be very determined and very focused. And have to be, I have to be crazy in order to do all these things. So, <laughs> okay. I think, yeah. so, 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 do you think that um, it was there the whole time, kind of bubbling away, sort of subconsciously, that you had that? I think while, yeah. Food? I think while growing up, I really enjoyed food. I loved eating. Um, uh, for me, it wasn't like. Um, I never thought that I'm going to go. Like when you're little, ten years old, it's not profession. I thought until when mum had cancer. Uh, food was already there, core in dead in my because um, I had friends who were from Kerala, from Andhra Pradesh, from Gujarat, mm. from, from Kashmir, from Bengal, Bihar. So I grew up in a cuisine which was very multicultural cuisine in India. Because mm. if you sometimes, this is what I find really hard is if you are an author in this country, you're born here, your roots are just either Gujarati or Punjabi or Bengali. Mm. You really don't know Indian food until you go down to India, yeah. um, learn about Indian food. I think for me, I was really lucky. So I was able to do that because where my father, you know, parents um, worked. So I think that uh, food was something I loved eating and I loved playing cricket. That was my thing. I think... Um, but I think generally, if you understand food, um, you know, there was nothing that I didn't eat. I loved, I, I would go to my neighbor's house or my friend's house and say, my mom hasn't fed me. Obviously, they knew that I have, she has to feed me. <laughs> I just, I was greedy, um, a greedy pig, and I wanted to eat something very different. So I think that the connection we had growing up in a town like that, I wouldn't think you would find that anywhere else. And also the train journeys, you know, as like in India is so big, we had these train journeys where I would go and see my cousins in Punjab. And uh, that's a 24 hour long journey. So mom would pack a beautiful picnic to eat on the train. Mm. But then every train um, station that would stop, we would try and get the street food of that place. Amazing. So I think that is something um, very 
you know, if you're growing up in India, you understand the food yeah. very differently. So I've um, travelled quite extensively in India and just talking yeah. about the train journeys. So I yeah. did a very epic trip from Goa to um, to Calcutta. Calcutta, yeah. Yeah, so I think that was maybe like three days on the train. And it's and it's just the best bit, isn't it? When you kind of put kind of in at the station, mm. you know, you get all the, the sort of kind of like vendors like popping their little wares through the windows. It was amazing. And you can order, order on the train as well. It's, Absolutely. I, it. I think you have to forget about cleansiness you have to forget about sharing toilets you know you have to forget all that then you know you're fine because i think i think no matter what once in a lifetime you really if you want to travel to india you really need to do those train journeys because you meet people the people will feed you on the train yeah. you don't even know these people they say eat this this you know it's like sharing my yeah. sister my sister met her husband on the train. So no the love way. Story started on the train. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I love, that's amazing. I love traveling yeah. by the train. And so because I, I've traveled all over India, but the biggest trip I did with my sort of then boyfriend, and we spent three yeah. months traveling around southern India, but we bought a, an Enfield, an old Enfield. Oh, and so, and so my we, gosh. I know. And so we actually packed the, um, kept packing the, tra- the, the bike up, popping it on yeah. the train for the longer trips. And then sort of just hope the bike would cut like pop out the end when, when, when we did. But it was just oh amazing. And Enfield, Enfield is so amazing. They should sponsor your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. I, I've never been to India, but I'm going in October for three weeks. So I'm very, 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 very excited. And we're doing uh, a couple of train journeys. We're doing Rajasthan, Himalayas and Goa. So three different spots. So, so where um, where in Himalayas you're going? Which start, which part of the range? Oh, uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. So I if will, you if I will yeah. let, let you know, me know, I, I can help you. I, 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 you I think you might be. Name. I think I, I've done. I've walked oh. the Annapurna Trail, um, and I think it's part yeah, of that. Too, yeah, Annapurna. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Beautiful. I think. Oh yeah, I think it's part of that. Yeah, um, yeah it's yeah. stunning. It's going to be uh, amazing, and I'm really, I'm really, really looking forward to. Just the food and the culture and and everything sort of clashing Just together. One one yeah. advice is try to eat street food. You know, try to eat various clean street food. Try to eat that. Mm. The secondly, also um, because it's cooked in front of you, it's cooked really in high heat, so the the getting ill is less chances of getting ill. Mm. But also, when you're eating fruits, wash them with very clean water ah. because. The water they're putting on, you don't know whether what, what, what water they're putting. Mm. So every time, even brushing your teeth, these are little things that you should, brushing your teeth, use a, you know, bottled water, fruits, wash your water. I think then you're perfectly fine. And plant-based food, eating, you know, you will be perfectly okay. Oh, yeah. you're going to have the best time. It's going to be amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> very, 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 very excited. <laughs> Um, so we were talking about, um, it's very interesting that you were saying that your parents weren't supportive of a, of a food career to begin with, and neither were mine. I, I, I always loved cooking. I always wanted to cook as a career and wanted to get into chefing school from, from an early age. But I think um, same thing, my mum my and dad were like, no, it's not for you. <laughs> you're not going to make, you're yeah. not going to make any, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it, I think sort of 20, 25 years ago, or even longer, it wasn't seen. It's, it's not the same as it is today. There's so profession. many, mm-hmm. yeah. And, mm-hmm. and also as a food profession, there's so many different avenues that you can go today. 
Absolutely. Um, not absolutely. just being in the kitchen. You can yeah. be a TV chef. You can write cookbooks. You can be a recipe mm. developer. Mm. Um, that you know, there are people you, that are doing social media through food as well. And you probably have to do all of them, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to learn how to do the videos now. I'm actually yeah. getting better and better. So it's it good. good. It's, yeah. My niece, my niece is taught, taught uh, teaching me, and also I, I just don't. Um, it, I did Instagram just for the sake of it with the restaurant. You know, I started from my restaurant. I did because of that. I posted. I didn't care how many followers I have or followers are less. I didn't really care. But until now, I kind of now, learned, my niece came from India. She taught me how to do those videos. I've Brilliant. started to do that. So you, you've been talking about the restaurant. So is that where your food career started? Would you say? I, and and, and you, you mentioned a restaurant in London. Tell us a little bit more about that. So for me, I uh, started actually from my home. That was my first restaurant I called Romy's Kitchen was because um, I started samosa, spices, uh, sauces. I used to do, this is why when I, I'm a judge on something, if I have the category on street food, I love it because my career started on street. Mm. My career started from home because I understand the long hours standing cold heat when somebody is doing food, you know, farm, farm, you know, like local um you know, they do all these uh, amazing um, outside standing that they sell the food. I think that's how it started. And then I always wanted to kind of open in Thorntree because I live here. My daughters are very young. So I wanted to be around them. You know, when Neve was like really, I, I, before even Neve, I started like dinner parties, doing little things for people that I, you know, you have to understand you're standing long hours. You're mm. also prepping, cooking, and you're not really making any money when you're starting out because no one wants to pay you more. Um, you, you know, when you start your career out, they don't understand that you've got to um, you've got to go shop, you've got to write the menu, you've got to, um, you know, prep and then cook, and mm. then, then then you have to go. I think that slowly and steadily, you learn that. And then yeah. I had, uh, and also I wrote to people in cookery schools, I met people. So Devon, Manna of Devon was a cookery school. They gave me the first chance to come and teach. I said, don't even pay me, just let me teach. If I am good enough, then you teach, let me do that. So I think um, start, you have to be your own kind of manager, your own thing, you know, everything you have to push yourself. So I did that. And I think uh, at that time, people maybe they're lovely who would reply <laughs> and then uh, you know I got the opportunity and then I used to go and work in different restaurants and you know kind of get the idea of it um, because the kids were really young I didn't really want to kind of be full-time in the restaurant and not do that but um, opening a restaurant in Thornley was a challenge I think there are so many things go against you women who's never opened a restaurant it's a very risky business secondly then you're women of color and third you're a woman so there are three things mm. that are against you no matter what country you come yeah. from uh, so I think that was a big challenge and then when you got the building it was um, a great two-listed building it took really really long time um, nearly three years or four years it took for the change of use. Mm. And then um, then came the banks not giving you a loan because of the reasons I gave. And then um, somehow my husband saw something on BBC. They were asking that, you know, the banks are not giving loans to um, small, not just restaurants, many other small people who want to kind of come in the industry and bank, the government gives the money to the bank and bank doesn't give it to, to the small um 
uh, you know, producers. So um, BBC came to me. They did uh, national news and next day Natwest gave me a loan. So there's a power mm-hmm. of social media. The power mm-hmm. of TV is very important. Mm-hmm. I think that is where I learned that day the power of social media, power of TV, that it needs to be that. Absolutely. Um, so I think the London one I have kind of um, on hold in a, in a way because I do a lot of consultancy is because um, when I my lease was up for my restaurant in Thornbury, I didn't want to carry on another, you know, more lease. And luckily, someone was sitting over my shoulder and saying, don't take the lease because the pandemic happened. So it was oh, okay, uh, the best, best timing mm, for me yeah. ever in my life. Um, the London is all because there we have so much shortage at the moment. There's so much so much going on and I don't I'm not in a rush you know I um, will open my restaurant but I want to find the right investor there have been a lot of investors who come forward and and want me to open it but I just think you have to be at the right mind right place yeah and you know this will work so there's no I know that it's going to happen but I don't want to push and say oh I'm opening and then two months later oh, I yeah. can't sustain it so I think you have to have what you learn as a restaurant as a chef in your restaurant, in your business, then you can actually make, you know, I don't want to uh, have an investor who tells me what to do because this is my food mm. and my food is very important to me. My food is uh, not in that. It's also where the food comes from, you know, yeah. why, where's the mileage? Where, so in my restaurant, everything from was from Southwest. So you have to understand that the ethos behind it. I don't want chicken coming from North, from Holland. I want, you know, if I'm serving me, it needs to be from this country. I know it's going to be dear, but it mm. needs to be from here. So anything like that, you know, um, you, you have to give your hundred more than 100 percent to if you're going to, um, you know, open a restaurant or any kind of business. I think. Yeah. Well, as you say, it's, it's, a, it's a big undertaking. And I, yeah. I wanted to um, want to just to sort of go back a little bit. So you uh, obviously had your um, lovely restaurant, successful restaurant in, in Thornbury locally. But how did the how did the career, the TV career start? Did were you approached? How did that evolve? So I think my TV started because of um, I got um, Arthur Kocher, he's an amazing chef. Um, he had master chef, celebrity master chef coming in his uh, restaurant. You know, sometimes they have that celebrity master. Mm. You know, the, the three finalists comes and cooks uh, for the final show. So it was in his restaurant. Um, and then he um, said, I want Romy as one of the judges. Uh, and I've cooked with him earlier and he's really helped me in my my career. So he said, I want Romy if I, I Romy has to be in it. So uh, she's never been on TV. OK, fine. We really want her to be on it. Um, and they did. They, they had me. And uh, at that point, I had my MBE uh, at 2016, 2017. I don't, I don't remember. So, um, so I had the MBE. So I think they were like, they found, oh, she's got MBE. She's got a restaurant. So they must have done the research. Uh, and and rest was history. I think being on MasterChef, that celebrity MasterChef on Chef's Table completely uh, changed my life uh, for TV. Mm. Um, because I think you, somebody has to pull you up, right? Yeah. Somebody has to pull you up. Yeah. Somebody has to give that break. So Atul gave me the break on TV. But Carousel London completely changed my life for my books, for the, uh, for the critics to come to eat my restaurant. They were the ones who also changed my life. So there are people in different ways. I That's why in my books, in my writing, I never forget the people who really pulled me up, really helped me, because if they didn't help me, I wouldn't be here today. I think that's really, really important to acknowledge people. Absolutely. Um, so Atul yeah. and Carousel, and then Grace Dent came to my restaurant and gave me a wonderful review. Fantastic. I think these are 
or, or like, you know, Sheila Dillon, who gave me an opportunity to be on Radio 4. So I think there is somebody who's going to pull you up. And then how, when you are in a position, how are you going to help people, how are you can uplift those, not just have Absolutely. to be women. It has to be men and women. Yeah. I think men and men and women help me in career. I can't just say, oh, the women only help me. It's the, it's the balance that people have helped me. I think that's really important. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think men men and women need to lift each other up. And yeah. the food space, there's there's more than, than enough space for, for everyone to, to do their thing. Um, you were one of the few female Indian restaurant owners and you received an MBE, which is an incredible, incredible um, honor. Tell us a little bit more about how that came about. So um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm not sure it was 2016 or 2017. <laughs> so uh, I, um, I think I 2013, I opened the restaurant. It was nearly 10 years of struggle because opening the restaurant, you know, you're still, still paying the bills. You're still doing everything even if it's not open. So I think for me, um, when the letter came and I, I brought it home and my daughter, my eldest, opened it and she was screaming and she was like, what's happened? Another Maybe. bill? Oh. What's up? Have I done? Or maybe, or yeah. maybe I've got another uh, traffic light I've signaled, you know, I've, I've done 40 miles. Or I've done so many before. So I was like, another one of those things, you know, some bill. But um, then I read it and I rang the cabinet office because that's a number. Mm. Um, I rang them three times. I, I'm, this is no joke. I rang them. I said, "Are you sure it's for Romy Gill? It's for Romy's Kitchen. Um, you haven't got the wrong Romy. Are you sure?" And they, and the third time, they said, "What do you want from us? Yeah. You have. I can write your email. We can send you another email saying it's for you." I think when you come from a small town, you have your uh, your own baggage, your own understanding, your own ethos, your mm. own way of living, and then to uh, you know, get noticed, and especially when you know you're trying your best for the restaurant to be successful, working so hard, and then nothing happens in a sense because you know, yes, the restaurant's doing really well, but you also want somebody to appreciate you because yeah. no one until then, 2013, 2014, no one came to my restaurant, no one wrote about me because it's mm. heartbreaking because you are doing so well, you're doing you're breaking those boundaries. You are cooking food that you can't get in a, a, a mm. restaurant. Like, you know, off tamarind octopus. No one did. Funduri quail. Things like I would, you know, you have to be creative. And my plant-based, yeah. my vegetarian food, everybody loved it. Um, so I think for you as a, as a team, as a, you have to uplift your staff as well. Because, yeah. you know, you have to motivate them, not just uplift. You have to motivate them. I think it was really heartbreaking. And then this came. And then many other things just followed after that. I think it, it was uh, it wasn't easy that you are in London. Everybody's noticing it. Everybody's talking about you because even if you have two hundred followers, if you if you're talking about someone and then twenty other people follow, you know you're repeating. I think that is what, very important to have. That. I didn't have the understanding at that point, but I think for me that coming, the Master Chef coming, mm. and then Carousel doing events in Carousel. I think that was something MBE was um you know it also your family could go to the Buckingham Palace with you, oh, the girls amazing. and the band uh, so it was something really nice nice you know something really I don't know how to explain it's it's there I don't much think about it but it's also at the same time I'm quite proud of you, you know, should be proud. you should be yeah. you should yeah. be proud definitely yeah. 
Yeah, that's an incre- incredible, incredible achievement. Um, but it's honestly, it's so funny. I mean, you can imagine opening that, just the shock and surprise, delight, I suppose, but shock. Um, just taking you back a little, again, a little bit, just um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about kind of what you think about when you create recipes. You say that, you know, you obviously had your child influences and it was quite multicultural yeah. and it did well um, in your village and you have influences from all over India and then obviously came to the UK. So what do you think about when you kind of get your creative juices flowing and start I, creating? I think you, uh, first of all, because I grew up with spices, so all my, mostly my, even if I'm entering a roast or anything for my family or anything like that, uh, any vegetarian or potatoes or, any, or, or something for the freezer, I think spices has to be something you have to learn about spices. You cannot chuck spices just because of the sake of it. Um, so you have to understand the roasting, the toasting, uh, mm. or if you're putting the spice in the in the sun, every bit of uh, before the spice come in, you take a bite how the flavor is when you've toasted it or roasted it. Um, how that you know let it uh, when it comes out is hot. How the oil comes out of it, you leave it to rest and then you grind them. Then the flavor comes. You know, have those stages. You cannot. I just think. Like garam masala, or let's put garam masala in this, it'll work. It actually, please don't put everything in. You don't have to understand Punjabi cuisine is like that, but also mm. that's the way they are brought up. But you have to also understand that cumin is the most versatile spice. If you're, you have way of doing it in different oils or ghee or butter, mm. it'll bring different flavors out. Yeah. Different oils will give different flavor. I think understanding of spices is really important for me if I'm creating a recipe. And also, I get if I'm got motivated from someone, you know, inspired, not motivated, inspired from a recipe. I've looked at it. Oh, that looks great. If I do it this way, they might. But I acknowledge the person that I got inspired from. That is very important for me. I mm. will never ever go go pick up a recipe from someone and then oh, this is mine. I cannot do that because if you've done oh, it, gosh, you no. To... <laughs> That's we, a big we, no no. Yeah. Uh, no no no. People do that. It's it's, oh, it's honest. They, they do. Yeah they, yeah. They they do. Do. I know. So, I know. But it's you, a big no no. <laughs> you can't because you have to incur, in, acknowledge that you got inspired and you thought this will work. Actually, mm. if you change and this is how it will work. I think that's really, really important. For me, um, like, you know, even taking a watermelon in India. So watermelon in India will cut and make into a chaat masala. Sprinkle of chaat masala um, will give you a different flavor. But if you put chaat masala and a little bit of chili flakes will give you a different and then a little bit of lime juice mm. or lemon. Lime is works better than lemon. Um, then if you have just the black salt and then the squeeze of lime, it'll give you another flavor. Mm. So you have, you know, just a little watermelon can change your life. But it has to be done. Or put a mint. If you put basil, if you put mint, it'll give you so different flavor. I think for me, it has to be really, you know, I have to taste so many different things. And then like if I get approached for different magazines or newspapers, I have to test a few times and say, this is good. And I am very lucky because I have really, really good neighbors. So they will taste my things. And my oh, husband was the biggest yeah. critic. He will say, no, 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 this didn't. And the girls, they will say, this doesn't work. So like, you know, uh, I was just asked to do something, something for a magazine. I don't want to name it. Um, a leftover thing. You know, you can't just say, okay, leftover this, but you have to create it. Oh, mm. I can just say, I can add cumin. I can add this. I know this will work. But also you have to test the recipe. I think that is really important. Until and unless you taste in your mouth, and then you think about others. The always one thing I learned from restaurant and Atul and Cyrus and many other chefs is like, you have to taste. Yes, that's yes. important. But you also so have important. to taste. You have to think about others. Will they like it? 
if you are not liking this, how will they like it? Mm. So that I think was was what kind of kept in my head. I think that's, yeah. so, that's so important having the, the, the critical taste testers, not yes. just the people that are actually saying it's yeah. all delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, everyone's got such a diverse range of taste, haven't they? So It's yeah. subjective. Food is subjective. Yeah. People might not like what we like. Yeah. So I think you have to understand about the people. You have to create it. And uh, I know everybody says a food has to be presented this way, that way. It's really important we look through it. But also sometimes a simple dal in a bowl will make look so good that you don't, you know, the flat flatbreads that I've been doing on, on Instagram, flatbread, see, you know, I'm doing different ones. Nice. But it's just, just, I say to people, if you're really going to make flatbreads, Indian flatbreads, you need to make sure that you do the dough with your hands, not with the machine. The understanding of the dough, the mm. kneading of the dough, different flowers. We have so many different millets. There are different kinds of flowers. You have to make it with your hands. If you don't give the love to your dough, it's not going to work. I think, you know? I, I think kneading dough is kind of one of the best feelings in the world. Yeah, it's I, very, it's I'm very, obsessed with it. It's very <laughs> therapeutic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, is this, well, I'm, we're both big sort of advocates about uh, sustainability and food waste and for myself so I I grew up in Tanzania in East mm. Africa mm. and everything was sourced from scratch everything was cooked from scratch mm. if we were having a pizza we would be making the pizza dough the tomato sauce mm. everything that was going on top my mum used to make cheese uh, yeah. because you know it was something that couldn't be bought sort of in the in the 80s and 90s at the time unless you went to like a special shop so how do you feel about sustainability and food waste in your own and in, in your own cooking i think because like you i come from india uh, india as you know is very rich middle class and then okay and then very poor so mm. you have like many categories for people so um you have to understand when i wrote my first book i know i'm not plant-based i wrote my first book Zyka, uh, um, because people needed to understand that you can't just ha- eat um, food with so you know you can create plant-based food so yeah. easily, so easy, so so amazing. Um, but I think I come from India that we use the root to the shoot of the of, the, of a vegetable, yeah, nose to the tail Love of the that. animal. So you, they don't waste. Like when I wrote the second book, when I went to Kashmir, they don't waste a part of the animal. So the, in, in, in also in summer, when the weather is better, they dry all the vegetables. They don't waste anything because Fantastic. Uh, they, they'll then use those vegetables in winter. So similarly, in, in different parts of India, we use mangoes for chutneys. We, we yeah. use mangoes for fruit leather. You know, when fruit leather became big in this country, I used to use yeah. fruit leather <laughs> back in India many years ago. We called it um, um, ampapar. So... Um, so mango, that's the example of mango. So mango, when they come a little green mangoes, we'll make mm. a chutney of this. We'll make we'll make pickle from that. Nice. Then we will we'll make you know curries and eat mangoes and have salad. So the mango is not wasted at all. Fantastic. Know? So I think um you, and then people eat it and then they plant mango with those seeds as well. So there are so many things you can do. And banana. So in banana we use the leaves. We use the leaves to eat the food we use the flower to make the blossom to make the sabji which is vegetarian and then banana even the banana leaves in some parts of india not leaves uh, the skin 
yes. is, is cooked in, in um, you know, south of India. They mm. cook the skin as well in coconut. Uh, they make a beautiful, delicious curry. So I think for for me, sustainability, local, local innocent had to depend local because India is a big country. We couldn't depend on on at that time on on, on the things we had to depend on the local produce, seasonal mm. produce. Seasonal was so important. My mom would never cook. Uh, green peppers, you know, we only used to get green peppers. There was no yellow peppers or red peppers I've never seen in my life. So green peppers only in winter. Mm. Collard greens or spinach, things like that only in winter. There were winter things, there were autumn things or, you know, summer things. So I think for me, that is what my ethos was in my restaurant because I think that is very, very important. You can't, you can't. It tastes better as well, doesn't it? If you have have anything that is in season, it's going to taste 100 times better. Yeah. If yeah. you're going to give a few tips or little nuggets to people at home, what they can do to incorporate a little bit more seasonality or to waste less, what would you what, what would you say? I think it's, it has to start from your own home before we ever preach anybody. We can say we do this. With, if you don't start from your home, it doesn't work. So I think people need to understand with their children, it's got to, they have to make understand that you can only eat strawberries. This mm. is the time cannot have strawberries in winter i'm really sorry and my that's what i've taught my daughters that's what they're doing they will never you have frozen veg strawberries things like that they make shakes but that also you know if i'm testing a recipe for that i will keep it but i think if you don't start or you you take your children to pluck with you know any kind of any especially foraging in this country Mm. so we used to do this in years and years so the foraging should be Hot in schools as well. I think so as well. (laughs) So I think that is really important that if we could do that, little things, um, you know, even like uh, if you've got extra dal you have in your home, how can you make pancakes? How can you make uh, flat breads? Or how can you make a salad with it? Or pakoras with it? Things like that, you know? Yeah. So I think if you can start that from home, and it's so easy to make. Absolutely. Um, I agree. Uh, Do you grow your own veg by any chance? So in the restaurant, we used to grow loads and loads of veg. Did you? Um, we had loads. Of, we used to tell people, please take it. Oh, <laughs> you so uh, um, But my husband used to have an allotment, but um, he had to give up because his work, his things. But I have a little patch. My daughters yeah. have little things outside, but we grow our house. But we're Fantastic. very lucky where we live. There are a lot of farmers who kind of grow and then they sell. So I can, I'm very lucky that I can go and get that. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, same in Shropshire. There's so many amazing local growers. Yeah. I'm also experimenting with my own, but not enough to... to I kill plants. Me. I really kill plants. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have green fingers. My husband is a farm, like a farmer. He can grow anything from it. You know, my daughter, actually, youngest, is really good. Yeah. I bet you could. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I kill plants. I, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I have a phobia of earthworms and snakes. So mm. that really scares me. The, mud, yeah. the moment the I The little jiggly my... things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about it gives me goosebumps. <laughs> so, so what do you particularly love? What's your passion at the moment in terms of food? What are you loving to cook right now? Um, so my husband sometimes go to different shops and he gets all these weird uh, summer squashes, you know, different mm. ones, but snake goats and something different. So it's been bringing so much. I'm fed up. I've got some in the freezer as well. Yeah. Um, not fed up. I think you can, there's, they all taste so different. So I have been making so many different ways of making it. But I've, I tested some recipes just to kind of blanch it and make it into salad. 
I'm fed up of doing croquettes and all that. I think I don't want deep fried all the time. I don't want anything. You know, you want something and sabji, which sometimes girls say, mommy, again, the same thing. You have to come up. I have to be creative. I made this. I think you guys should make it. Um, with the summer squash, the yellow ones, you know, yellow ones. Mm, when I've I just did. got some yellow ones. Yeah. So yesterday. I literally roasted literally five minutes on a very high heat, took them out, uh, and they cook very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and then I uh, put some oil, ginger, garlic, and make it into a puree. That was mm, the most delicious, delicious thing. Really, really good. It's like hummus. It tasted like, you know, different to hummus, but it was it was like baba ganoush, but a very, very different way. I'm, so, I'm all over so it. That sounds amazing. I'm definitely going to yeah. try it. That sounds gorgeous. What's your favourite thing, Bettina, to cook at the moment? To cook at the moment? Yeah. Uh, you know this. It's <laughs> probably, uh, I love courgette flowers. Oh, yeah. So I make the most out of courgette flower season and mm. I will stuff them with different things. So I'll do a cashew based truffle cheese or I'll do oh, macadamia yeah. based cheese with herbs and garlic. Um, and then just sort of lightly dust them in a. Um, I love using chickpea flour, for example. Mm. So I'll do a chickpea flour batter and then just lightly, I shallow cook them rather than deep fry them. Frying, do you know what you should do? Try rice flour. Honestly, oh, yes. yeah. oh yeah, I do so rice flour crispy. as well. Yeah, so crispy. I love it. I love I prefer the taste with rice flour. I think mm. it's more crunchier. Mm. Yes, definitely. And some mm. I add some fizzy water as well to sort of yeah. give it a bit of lightness. Mm. Um and it's tomato season, so I I just love tomatoes with Me olive too. oil and a sprinkle yeah. of salt. Just a yeah. little very, very simple, but yeah. um just Heroing, heroing the summer vegetable. It's my favourite season, basically. Yeah. And we're both very big fans of toast, aren't we? So yes, we love toast. Of, it's kind of all the vegetables on toast. <laughs> toast, yeah. toast with yeah. curry on top, yeah. or yeah, toast with yeah. dal on top. Yeah, is like. Do you know? I like to toast. I mean, you, you can have vegan cheese and then cheese and toast, but have roast harissa on it. Lovely. Mm. Yeah, it's yes. so good. It's yeah. so so good. Uh, that sounds amazing. And speaking of recipes, your second cookbook uh, on the Himalayan Trail, am I right? The, yes. the On the Himalayan Trail was released yeah. in April. Yeah. Um, tell us about that, because I believe that you went traveling for, for that book, didn't you? Yeah. So I think uh, for me, growing up watching Bollywood films, I don't know if you know Bollywood films, mm. it's all about dancing around the trees, dancing around the snow. So being India, if you are in one part of India, this comes up, coming up, um, Part of India, it um, you won't have snow. One part might have snow. One part might not have. So I always fancied to go there and, and and you know play in the snow. So when I came to this country, that was the first time I saw the snow. And then I got this opportunity by Suitcase Magazine. I don't know if you know Suitcase yeah. Magazine. They sent me to go to Ladakh in 2017. My family was going, so we all went. Um, that was the first time ever been to the Himalayas. That side of the Himalayas. Um, you know, there are different ranges of Himalaya. So that part, I've always fancied, I've always wanted to go, but there was no opportunity. You know, money was very tight at home when I was growing up of wholesome food and parents didn't speak English. For them, for to put us to English medium school, private school was very important than anything mm. else. So um, so I always wanted to go there. I wanted to always um, have that, you know, idea of this Bollywood, beautiful white snow and, you know, be there. But um, then the opportunity came, I went, and rest was history. Then I wrote an article for New York Times. I mean, Suitcase Magazine has sent me to so many. That's why I call myself 
a food and travel writer because I, I go to these different parts of India or anywhere in the world, wherever they want to send me. And then I meet these people or write about them. And then when I wrote the Himalayan Trail for New York Times in 2019, my mom had just passed away. And I said to them, you're sending me, could I take my dad with me? Because this is going to be a, a man who's lost his wife for, for 50 odd years. And mm. I'm, I've lost my mom. So how can I can I take my dad? And they were like, yes, please take. So I think the journey was such an amazing journey with my dad going to the Himalayan train in Himachal, but mm. not in the, in the in Kashmir. It was, we went like, um, we traveled for nearly 10 days to different parts going to meeting these people. And then I came back and I've never had a literary agent before. Um, so I, my friend Deborah Robertson, who's amazing, she said, Romy, you really need, Deborah's books have just come out. She's a wonderful, wonderful food writer. Um, and she was like, you need to get an agent. And she introduced mm. me to her agent. And that was how it was dressed for history. I wrote this proposal. I gave it to my agent. And, and, and then he sent it. And, it, it you know, Kajal from Hardy Grant loved it. And I went with Hardy Grant. And, you know, she had a team sitting and she wanted me. I think you have to to connect with the people when you're writing a book. You have to have a publisher who will look out for you, look out after your back. I think she had the whole team. They all loved me. And then and it happened. But then COVID came and uh, I had to follow the protocols, you know, pandemic was there, follow the protocols, because this is my work for you and me, everybody's work, mm. travel with work. So I had to write to, um, you know, had to pro- follow the protocol that if you're working, you could go. So I did the protocol. And then it was really hard because travel, going to Kashmir is hard anyway. Yeah. And it was 100 times more harder because of, uh, you know, you had to have this, you had to have this. 20 other things with you mm. uh, and, you know, wearing masks. You have to be very careful, you know, very, very careful. So I did that and I had a lot of help from different chefs in India. I think this is the best beauty of our hospitality, no matter what we say, that we all connect together. You know, Absolutely. wherever, you know, we connect in that way that we'll help each other if we can. You know, that's the beauty about it. So I think in India, I have so many different friends who are chefs and food writers. They kind of connected me. I think when you're writing a book like that, it's... Um, you have to connect the dots before you can go. You can't just go to India and say, I'm going to go here. I'm going to run. So you have to have yeah. that, you know, how you're following that journey. You're doing that for so long. And then the photographer, you have to also, um, you know, be, become a person. That's why I wrote about Anthony Bowden and some people don't like him. The reason I like him because he traveled many parts and he became a person like them and he would talk about, it mm. wasn't about him sitting in a five-star hotel and talking. He would go to the people, he would write, eat the food and then talk about it. I think that is why that if you want to be an advocate of something, um, you know, if you want to travel, you have to travel to that part. You have to sit with the people. You have to eat, live in their shoes, eat the food. Uh, then only you can write, um, you know, uh, various things. I think that was for me, was very, very important during the recce trip, then going again. And, you know, I think food is all about connecting the dots. It's all yeah, about absolutely. Oh, that's that. Well, it sounds like a bit of a dream trip. Um, I'm so. It was. It yeah, took a lot out of me because it's yeah. not just the the recipes. It's a lot of stories, a yeah. lot of essays. But it's got a lot of plant based food in it. So I'm mm. going to ask my publishers to send you guys. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know, Bettina. What happened to your book? Because Zyka, my publishers did send you with the address. I don't. It didn't never reach. I never. I never got it. It's so it's it's so weird because we share the same publisher, Hardy Grant. Yeah. 
Um, but I am going, I'm going towards Borough Market uh, on Thursday. So I'm, what I might do is I might just pop in and get both your books uh, because... Zyka, Zyka is not Hardy Grant. Zyka is Orion. Oh, Zyka, uh, uh, Zyka's Orion. Well, we'll, just, we'll just have to meet or I'll just have to send you. I have your address. I'll send you. Forget the bloody publisher. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just order it. Yeah. No, no, no. Please, please, yeah. order it. Do, do not order it because um, the Hardy Grant is amazing. Uh, they, they will send when I ask Emma. They will send. So do you have Hardy Grant publishers, well? Are you with Hardy Grant or Codwell? I'm with Hardy Grant. So all okay, my cool. all my three cookbooks were with Hardy Grant. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cookbooks are they're they're such an amazing thing to do, but they're also I find it's it's hard work. And it is. It Nikki's is. Nikki's written five books. Yeah, so five. Right. Fifth's coming. Yeah, Fifth but, I've, coming. but I've got three publishers, so that's even more. Yeah. We've got three publishers, which is more complicated. <laughs> I, I think- I think we have, I'm going to stay with Hardy Grant. I love Hardy Grant, and I'm doing going to. I I, I took a route uh, in a very different route. Even if Zyka is 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 something very personal, but it also had stories in it, you know. Mm. But also like um, Hardy, this book is. I'm going to just be writing about travel and food. That's my thing. I want to meet people. I want to write about them. Beautiful, amazing. Yeah, I think that it. those stories need to be told. Yeah. Yeah. To the definitely. wider in the Western world, because people yeah. can't travel and then. You know, if you can't travel, at least you can eat the food from that part. Exactly. Absolutely. Oh, um, we're nearing the end of our wonderful podcast and our wonderful chat. I feel like we could be sitting here talking to you forever. <laughs> um, and we've got two questions for you. We promise that it's going to end on a positive note. But the first question is, go ahead, Nikki. <laughs> okay, so this is always a little bit of a tricky one because it's not the standard question. But what's the worst bit of advice you've ever been given? I was told that I will, it's not, it's not because it is, I was told because I've opened a restaurant in Thornbury, no one is going to write about me, you will, no one will care about you and no, you will never be on television. But I, you know, rest is history, that person must be now going under the grave. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me good. I, I think if you can't give any good advice, don't even give nasty advice to anyone. I think that is that is that is a good piece of advice. Yes. So the next question and final question is: What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? I think by Mina Holland. I uh, she gave me the cook residency in 2016 or 2017. I'm not sure. My mind is going away now, <laughs> getting older. And she made me a writer. I I I could. I'm dyslexic. I. I um, I said, um, I can't write. I can't write. I cannot write. And she goes, everyone can write. Everyone has something in them. She gave me that cook residency for three weeks. I don't know, four weeks. It used to be like, you know, there used to be cook residency mm. in the newspaper. The Guardian, that was wonderful. I don't know why they got rid of it. That was the best part of the of the newspaper. Um, so I, every week I had to write about something. So four weeks she gave me and she, it, that was that kind of made me a writer so and also recipe writing sometimes people I didn't know that you have to put the first ingredient first and then mm. explain it mm. how you do I think that is how she made me and uh, you know, she she's that the, the, if Mina wasn't there she didn't give me that advice uh, I wouldn't be here today amazing Mina's a writer. fantastic wow. I love a, those. yeah that's a great great way to end a, end a beautiful story and there's so much more to tell and <laughs> Um, there are various ways to find you and connect with you. Uh, one of them is social media and your books. Um, anywhere else? 
Oh, watch me on television. I watch you on television, oh, yeah. of course. <laughs> that's oh, just a, that's a given. Radio, 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 radio. I, yeah. I do quite a lot of food programs, so yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time. It's been oh, absolutely no. wonderful chatting to you. Yeah, what an inspiration. Lovely chat. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for listening to What the Catcher. I hope you've enjoyed our food conversations and please do have a listen to the rest of the episodes to hear more brilliant stories about everything and anything to do with food. And a big thank you to our sponsors, Doug Drinks. Don't forget, you can also get 10% off anything you order from their website, which is dougdrinks.com. Just use the code WTFDUG10 at the checkout. And please do give us a five-star rating if you've enjoyed this podcast. It really does help spread the word. And if you'd like to follow us on Instagram, you can find Bettina at Bettina's Kitchen and myself at Rebel Recipes. Thanks so much for listening and we'll be back soon. Bye.